So both of those are on SoundCloud.com. I uh, was thinking about this lesson and thinking about how that um, sometimes we have trouble with reality. You know, the big uh, boom in TV has been reality TV. Now, some of that I don't need to see. I don't need to know everybody's workings behind the scene. But reality TV has been booming. I guess uh, President Trump used to be on reality TV. And uh, there was his show, The Apprentice. But reality TV is always interesting about those who are delusional. They think they're better than they really are. They believe they can go into a situation and turn the tide. Well, sometimes the church of Jesus Christ has trouble with reality. We have a puffed up idea about who we are. And we have an estimation of our abilities that is way out of whack. The balance between liberty and responsibility. Now think about those two words. The liberty that we have in Christ. I'm so glad that grace has set me free. I'm glad that there is a truth that unbinds us and unshackles us from the things of this world. But on the same hand, we have responsibility. Sometimes we try to fly under the radar. I know when we have staff meeting at church, I always like the back seat way far in the back where I can fly under the radar. But true to form, somebody always calls me out. I always get called out when I try to hide. Now, <clears throat> flying under the radar is also what many believers do. Let me give you some examples. Our language sounds like the world. Our morals many times copycat the world. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, Because it is written, You will be holy, for I am holy. Now, holiness is something that we have in our minds as sinless perfection. God knows very well we can't achieve that. And so the word holy there does not mean sinless perfection. It means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means to be unique. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are odd for God. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that there is something different about the way that we look at the world. I believe that Jesus had every intention that the Gospel of Jesus Christ would penetrate every area of society. Now, we don't have a theocracy like many other countries do. But I guarantee you the Christian values of the American people ought to influence and impact 
politics. It should. And so whatever we are engaged in, there ought to be a difference, a flavoring that comes along with us because we are the people of God. We are to be salt in a rotten world. <laughs> we are to be light in a dark world. We claim many times certain things, but the reality is simply not there. Can you imagine? And I'll just pick on mechanics, alright? Any car mechanics in here? Now, I'm not talking about the, the guys that do it for a hobby. Anyone do it for a living? Alright, I'll talk about mechanics, alright? Oh, I've got one right here. Okay, well, can you imagine going to a mechanic and you ask someone, is he a good mechanic? And someone says, well, he claims to be. Can you imagine going to a doctor and you say, is he a good doctor? Well, he claims to be. Can you imagine going to a church and you say, is he a good preacher? Well, he claims to be. I want to tell you, Danny Aiken said it so well. Danny Aiken said, we claim to be spiritual, but we are not godly. We are slack in church attendance and cheap on our giving. Ouch. And then he went on to say this. We claim to be missional without ever doing missions. Boy, it hurts, doesn't it? But I think that's probably pretty close to reality. Our claims simply don't match our walk. We're out of touch. Out of touch. Well, Jude writes to a first century church that had become out of touch. They were just kind of in a dream world. And so I want you to look here in your Bible at this wonderful little letter, verses 8 through 10 in the book of Jude. The Bible says, Yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like reasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Now, those uh, couple of verses right there talk about people that are simply out of touch. Out of touch. It's amazing sometimes we think things are better than they really are. It's amazing how that we try to gloss over and we try to cover up reality. I know sometimes there are people that don't want to go to a doctor because they're afraid of what the diagnosis will be. There are times that we don't want to hear bad news. But Jude reminds us that we cannot live long in a dream world. So, here we go. There are three different challenges. Uh, three different challenges that Jude gives us here. 
And I think these are powerful challenges uh, for us in the 21st century church. Now I will say this, verses 8 through 10 are some of the most difficult, hard verses to understand in the whole New Testament. It doesn't get much easier in the book of Jude. It's just hard plowing. But the application is much easier than the interpretation. And so it's going to apply to your life today. Three challenges. Alright, challenge number one. We need to avoid being spiritually immoral. And notice that word, spiritually immoral. Jude's not talking about being physically. He's talking about being spiritually immoral. In verse number 8, you find this phrase, dreaming. They are dreamers. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You see, sometimes we got this mistaken idea. We think, well, I can make this decision or that decision. Or we think, well, I've got this choice or that choice. But actually, you don't. Because your body belongs to the Lord. And your body and your spirit belong to Him. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I was out uh, visiting yesterday and um, I didn't see the ball game at all. (laughs) I was out visiting and out working so I didn't get to watch OU at all. uh, Which was a great blessing. But anyway, I went out to Loman home and I saw Maxine McKissick and sat there and visited with Maxine and had a wonderful visit with her and prayed with her. And she wants you all to know that she loves each and every one of you so much and misses this class. And then I was getting ready to go and, and under the inspiration of God and And the Holy Spirit of God just led me to go to a hospital. And so I went to Baptist and uh, walked in to see Jerry Kennedy. And uh, got to the room and she had passed away one hour uh, before I got there. And uh, just heartbroken because I loved to visit with Jerry so much. And Jerry Kennedy had been faithful through the years in music ministry and choir, but... As I stood there with Julia and and I said, come over by the bedside. I grabbed her by the hand and put my hand on that lifeless body. And I said, Lord, she is absent from the body and present with You. She is perfect in every way, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And and I just prayed and celebrated what God had done in taking her on to glory. I want to tell you something. There are times that we are moved by the Spirit of God to do something, and you better do it. Alright? There are times when the Holy Spirit says, turn right, turn left, go forward, and you better get your feet moving in that direction. Now, the false teachers in Jude's day had trouble with two things. Number one, they had trouble with the idea that we are purchased that we are purchased. You know, when I buy something, 
I can use that any way I want to. When I buy something, I have the rights to use that. Uh, Rob Nichols came into my classroom, uh, not my classroom, but into my office uh, last week, our college minister. And Rob was just fascinated how that everything was exactly in the spot where it ought to be. I went to a meeting last week and I got this little gadget. And I love it. It's, it was worth the time going to the meeting just to get this little gadget. And what I got, it's just a piece of plastic called a cell phone holder. I had never had one before. And I'm just fascinated with it. I love it. It's got three holes on top where you can put pencils in there and it holds your cell phone. And So if you want to watch, you know, something on your cell phone you can put on that little holder. It's just made my week. It don't take much to impress me, I know. <laughs> made my week. Now, Rob came in and Rob was looking at my phone. And uh, Rob said, why do you have your phone backwards on that cell phone holder. And I said, well, because on this side there are smudge marks on my phone. And I can't stand to look at the smudge marks on my phone. I know. I ought to be in therapy. I really should. Maybe I am. But anyway... You know, we all have these like little quirks, these things that we try to work through. But we need to understand that you and I are purchased. And when we have ownership of something, like a wonderful cell phone holder, alright, we can use that thing any way we want to. Now the other issue that they had trouble with was the issue of lordship. Who's going to be lord of their life? So, Jude says you are spiritually immoral if you don't understand you're bought with a price, if you don't understand who is the Lord of your life. Now, Jude in this challenge says don't become defiled. Now look at this in verse number 8. This verse says, yet in the same way. Now this is referring back to verse number 7 about Sodom and Gomorrah. Jude is saying, yet in the same way, don't be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't be defiled in your flesh. The defilement of the flesh here is not just the idea of being physically immoral. It's also the idea of thinking it here or wanting it in your heart. Let me, let me tell you something that this is kind of a side note, but... Uh, I think it's important to, to nail this down. Stay with me on this. Since 1978, when I first became a pastor, way, way, way back there, a lot of years ago, every once in a while I'll mention something to someone and they'll say, uh, well, Brother Richard, I need to pray about that. Now I want to tell you something. If you're praying about an action 
that is contrary to Scripture, you might as well stop praying. God's not going to ordain something that He's already declared wrong in His Word. If you're praying about tithing, just stop it. <laughs> if, you, if you're praying about being faithful to the church, just stop it. You know, if God's already said you ought to be doing this, God ain't going to change His mind just for you. God's going to declare in His Word this is right and this is wrong. And folks don't need to pray their way out of the will of God because God ain't going with you. He's not going to go with you. So, don't become defiled. Also, don't become defiant. Verse number 8 says, these people reject Authority. Do you see that in verse 8? They reject authority. There, um, there have been times I know since I've been on staff at First Baptist Church in Columbia. I kind of scratch my head and think, why in the world are they doing that? Or why in the world are we making that decision? And then I'm reminded of this. I'm under the spiritual authority of the pastor of this church. And I am. I'm under the spiritual authority. And I told somebody one time, as long as your pastor is not immoral, as long as your pastor is not preaching something heretical, and as long as your pastor is not defiled by anything sinful in the Word, you follow his leadership. And you pray for him. I know there are times I've prayed and said, God, can you change somebody's mind on that? And that's okay. But you live under the authority. The Bible says here these rejected, rejected the authority that was there. Well, also don't become disrespectful. Disrespectful. Back when I was in the sixth grade, that's really been a long time ago. Back when I was in the sixth grade, a group of guys came to our school and set up some tables. And they were going to give something away. And I thought, boy, I'm, I'm all for that. Whatever they got to give, I'll take it. So they set up the tables. And, and uh, I learned later on that the group was called the Gideons. And they had a little bitty red New Testament. They, they were giving those out. And boy, I got in line and, and got my little New Testament. I was so proud of that Gideon New Testament. Those guys were so gracious that came and showed up. But I remember, I still remember this to, to the day. There was one particular guy in our class that took that New Testament and was just throwing it down the hallway, throwing it down the hallway, just slamming it on the ground, throwing it down, skidding it down the hallway. And I thought to myself, that is so disrespectful to the Word of God. Boy, you hear me on this. There are people today, they may not do that physically, but in their heart they've done it. They've taken the Word of God and they've thrown it down the highway. Years ago, the great preacher Dr. W. A. Criswell during the time when Southern Baptists were trying to decide if they really believed the Bible or not, Dr. W.A. Criswell preached and he took his copy of the Word of God and flung it out into the aisle. 
And he said, that's what some have done with the Bible. But then that old man with his gray hair got on hands and knees and crawled to that Bible and took that Bible to his chest and said, may it never be. Oh, we need that kind of dedication. There are some that are disrespectful. They revile the things of God. Now look here in verse number 8. It says here in the last part, these have reviled angelic majesties. Angelic majesties. In other words, they were slandering angelic beings. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. I want you to think about that word, unrestrained. You know the old song Frank Sinatra used to sing? I did it my way. A lot of believers could say that I, I just simply did it my way. Well, the Bible says you and I are to not be unrestrained. We are to avoid being spiritually immoral. Let me give you a second challenge today. Alright, number two. Second challenge to be in touch. We are to avoid being spiritually intoxicated intoxicated. Now look at verse number 9. Verse 9. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Well, <clears throat> this is one of those problem verses. One of the hardest verses in the New Testament to interpret. Again, the application is much easier than the interpretation. So let me kind of stay real close here to my notes and go through this with you. To understand this verse, there are three major actors. Number one, there is Michael the archangel. I want you to take your hand and kind of find this passage in your Bible. Find Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. I want you to look at verse number 7. <clears throat> Revelation 12. Look at verse number 7. Revelation 12, 7. The Bible says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. Now, this is talking about that prehistoric event. Way, way back there in time, somewhere even before the creation of the world. When there was a war in heaven where Satan or Lucifer tried to really take over heaven and dethrone God. The Bible says that Michael the archangel defeated Satan and his angels. Now I, can, I can picture this in my mind. I can see Lucifer trying to take over the throne of God. I can see Michael drawing the sword and Michael with the angelic host throwing out Satan or Lucifer and a third of the angels of heaven. Well, 
The second character is Satan or Lucifer. Stay there in Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse number 4. Lynn Burkholder, would you read verse 4? And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Okay, and again, this talks about that scene, prehistoric scene in heaven where Satan is really cast to the earth with a third of, of the angels. Now, Dan Douglas asked me an interesting question last week. Um, if you look back at Jude, and um, look at Jude verse number 7. Jude verse number 7. No, I take that back. Look at verse number 6. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Dan had asked me this. He said, does that mean that these demons are locked up right now? And I said, no, I think they're running to and fro across the earth. But I think they've got a hotel reservation. I think they've got a reservation to be in eternal bonds for all eternity. And so I think that's what it's talking about. But Revelation chapter 12, verse 4 is talking about that event. Now, let's move on. Like I said, interpretation much harder than the application. Third character, Moses. Alright? You find here in verse number 9 of Jude, there is this dispute this argument over the body of Moses. Now think with me about this. Moses, when he died, what happened to him? Remember the story? He goes up to Mount what? Ne Nebo, right? Goes up to Mount Nebo. He goes up there. He gets to see the promised land, but Moses did not get to enter the promised land. Why not? Struck the rock in anger, right? Pride kept him out of the promised land. But God showed it to him. And then we find that Moses, his life was taken from him up there. And it says something very interesting in Deuteronomy 34. God buried Moses. God buried him. Now, here you find this story in Jude. Michael, the archangel, is in an argument with Satan over the body of Moses. That's what it says. Why in the world would they argue over the body of this great man of God, the George Washington of Israel? I'm going to give you two ideas, alright? Again, I'm going to take my best shot at this. Here's two ideas, alright? Number one, perhaps Satan wanted to have the body of Moses to make it a source of worship. Satan would make it an icon so that people would worship the image of Moses instead of the Lord God. Did Israel have a problem with that? You betcha. They were always worshiping something else. 
When they got impatient there at Mount Sinai, they made a golden calf. They've been making idols ever since, alright? Perhaps that's why Satan wanted the body. Let me give you another idea. The other idea is perhaps because God needs that body of Moses for a future resurrection. And you can read about this in Revelation chapter 11, verse 3, where at the end of time there will be two witnesses that will be resurrected. And some believe Moses might be one of those witnesses that will be resurrected in the last days, pointing people to Christ as the Messiah. And so perhaps that's the reason why. Now, with all that in mind, okay? With all that interpretation, let me, let me give you some application, alright? Number one, you've got to know your place in God's economy. You've got to know your place in God's economy. Here is Michael the archangel. He is standing before Satan. He's got his sword. He can chop Satan to death right there. He can cut him nine times the Sunday. He can destroy him. But Michael takes his sword back. And what does he say? The Lord rebuke him. I want you to know that your power is always from the Lord. And this is a wonderful example to remind us that it's not by the flesh, it's not by your intellect, it's not by who you are, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Alright? Give you a second word of application. Know your power in God's authority. Michael, the archangel here, he simply says, the Lord rebuke you. The last part of verse number 9. He calls on the name of the Lord. Again, did Michael have the power to destroy Satan? Absolutely. But he says, the Lord rebuke you. I want to tell you, if you've got a physical ailment, you better be calling on the name of the Lord. If you've got a spiritual problem, you better be calling on the name of the Lord. When the pastor mounts the pulpit, to preach the Word of God, he better be calling on the name of the Lord. And so there's a wonderful application here. Your power is in God's authority. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2. Michael quotes this right here. Or rather, Jude quotes this right here in the book of Jude. Alright. Remember, by the way, when Jesus encountered Satan in the wilderness, three different temptations... What were they? Food. Food. Here's some rocks. Make it bread. What's the next one? Uh, jump off the yeah, jump off the, the temple mount there, right? The last one. All these kingdoms. I'll give you if you'll bow down and worship me. <coughs> Jesus said, worship the Lord, your God, and Him only. But how, did, how did Jesus respond to Satan? Yeah, but he kept saying, Scripture says. Scripture says. The Word says this. Don't tempt the Lord our God. If Jesus Himself, the very Son of God, had to use the power of the Word of God, how much more you and I? How much more you and I? Our authority and our power is really found 
in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And I, I want you to listen to this because I, I think that this is a verse that every child of God ought to have marked and highlighted. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, And they overcame Him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. Revelation 12.11 says, We overcome. We have victory because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the word of our testimony. You know, Wes has been preaching on that. Share your story. And because we did not love our life even to death. Alright, let me move on. This will get a little bit easier, alright? Third and last challenge today. We need to avoid being mentally ignorant. And that's verse number 10. Look at verse number 10 the book of Jude. Verse 10. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning, unreasoning, unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. So here's how Jude closes this section. He says, you need to be aware that there is false teaching around you. And therefore, you need to be mentally sharp and don't be mentally ignorant about the things of God. Now I want to tell you, I enjoy I enjoy reading great books by great authors. I enjoy reading books by Charles Spurgeon. I enjoy... There's nobody today I like reading more than Max Lucado. I'm reading his new book right now on happiness. But the best commentary on the Word of God is the Bible itself. It really is. We need to be not mentally ignorant concerning the things of God. Now, verse number 10 really says we need to guard our mouth and we need to guard our mind. Notice there in verse number 10, you find the word know by instinct. You want to know what your natural instinct is? It's to do opposite from the things of God. I heard a preacher one time say that if you want to find the will of God, just think about what naturally you would do and do the opposite. Just do the opposite. You know, by nature, we just want to hoard things and save it up. But you know what God says? Give it away. I went to Romania one time on a mission trip and I noticed that the pastor wore the same suit every single day. And I asked him about it. He said, oh, this is my suit. And I looked at his feet and he polished his shoes every night and he said, this is my pair of shoes. I want to tell you how blessed you and I are. We have closets full of clothes. We have shoes. We have more than what we need. We've been blessed. We've been blessed. Well, Billy Graham... One time, I think, had a great comment on this. Verse number 10 says, uh, These are unreasoning, unreasoning animals 
By these things they are destroyed. In other words, their reasoning is out of whack. Out of whack. Billy Graham was talking about lust one time. Somebody asked Billy Graham, said, have you ever had lust for a woman? Billy Graham said, oh yes, many times. And the reporter kind of looked at him in shock. Billy Graham said this. He said, it's one thing for a bird to fly over your head. It's something else for the bird to build a nest there. Isn't that right? It's one thing to have a passing thought. Something else to dwell and meditate on that thought. Let me close today by just giving you a quote here. This is from Danny Aiken at Southeastern Seminary. I'll close with this. His commentary on these verses, Danny Aiken said, claiming to be right, they could not be more wrong. Claiming to live for God, they live for themselves. Claiming to rise higher, they actually sink lower. So I think the challenge today is this. Don't live in the dream world. Know your place in God's economy. Don't live out of touch with your spiritual reality. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, what a difficult passage. Um, Hard ground to plow. But Lord, I pray today that we would understand that Lord, life's greatest joy is to live for You. And life's greatest thrill is one day to be standing in Your presence just clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Father, I pray today that You bless now as we go and worship. Uh, be with Pastor Wes and Brother Keith as they'll lead us in worship. In Jesus' name, Amen.